Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Over the Bridge podcast. Um, this is Patrick, aka P Money. Um, yeah, um, it's good to be back in the studio with the fellas. Once again, we've got a full house, full crew is here. Um, and we, we're actually joined by another another guest this week. So um, I'm actually really excited about this episode. Um, it's a tech-related episode, which um, we're talking this morning, actually, guys. And I don't think we've done a tech-focused one yet. So quite excited about that. But yeah, how's everybody feeling today? Bilal, Kweku, Tom, what are you saying? Good morning, man. Hello. Um, I'm cool. I'm cool. It's just um, It's just weird, you know, this whole going back into lockdown thing. So my mind is in a funny place, but I'm I'm actually wide awake and feeling good. That's good. That's good to hear. Yes, bit of bit, been a bit of a mad one. Um, mm. So just for context, I don't know when we're gonna if we're gonna drop this straight away or whatever. But um, yeah, so today is the the is it the first or the it's the first of November. So we just had the news that we're gonna be back in a lockdown. So um, yeah, uh-huh. I don't I don't even know how to feel about it. Like, what what do you guys think, Tom Croku? I don't know if you men are going to be out by. I mean, what isn't isn't the plan to be to be done with this by Christmas? Yeah, I don't. Uh, it's not going to happen. December second, they said actually. I think That's it's not going to happen. You know, it's not going to happen. We all know it's not going to happen. Bro. Like even my mum said to me yesterday. And most you know people who listen, you know, I'm I'm not in the country anymore. And she said to me, "Oh, son, do you wanna do you wanna come back to London for Christmas, or do you want me to come up to see you for Christmas?" I said, "I ain't going back to the UK. No way." I said, no, 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 no. So you're coming here, mum. I said, if you want, obviously you can't tell your mum what to do. I said, and if you want to come, you can come. But I'm not going to the UK. I said, no yeah. way. Because you know it's not going to happen by Christmas. You know we're not going to be done with this Yeah, yeah. yeah. by Christmas. Like, and I, I get the attempts and they've done the same thing in France. I think to a lesser extent, Germany as well. I What's think the scenario in Switzerland? Um, they're doing it sort of in waves. So, I mean, right now the rule is you can congregate in pubs which you know i do as tommy dyer and in groups of up to four but it closes at 11 p.m which isn't too bad to be honest just i'll take it you know what i mean um yeah but they are beginning to close down restaurants and and bars and pubs at different parts they've already done it in zurich Mm -hmm. uh they've done it in a place called neuchatel which is maybe an hour hour and a half away from here where i am in geneva so it's slowly coming um cases are going up Mm. Um, mortality is kind of a holding kind of stable but that's kind of you know but you can see obviously with the um, you know like seasonal flu and all of that people are beginning to get more concerned but I don't think any lockdowns are going to be done by Christmas it just doesn't it doesn't add up to me like you can't stop this thing in in four weeks because people I don't know about you guys but I think when the whole Dominic Cummings thing happened and I was like, okay, so there are people that are more equal than others. We knew that already, but actually exercising their right to go and travel 300 miles up. I'm like, actually, why am I like putting myself, you know, in solitary confinement for three, four weeks, barely going, you know, out the house doing indoor delivery of shopping. Why, why, why should I bother? And I think a lot of people are probably, mm. you know, annoyed and like, no, I'm not going to properly comply with this. They'll try small, mm. small, but yeah. Point, you know to I mean? be to be honest, I think that is like the, the the biggest um, sort of source of frustration for most people, and it's frustration like as a very sort of light term, like basically most people now just, they couldn't care less because it's just like mm. from the sort of the example set from leadership, it's like, first of all, it doesn't look like anybody knows what they're doing. And second mm. of all, it's like, no one really cares. So why should I sort of thing? And it's sad that it's come to this because um, all it really takes is just kind of like, you know, a firm example, I think from, from leadership. And like, whether you agree with, you know, like, obviously there's a lot of people that have different theories on what's going on and whatever, but I think that um, the sad thing is, is um, the sort of individualism that's kind of 
mm. kind of pervaded everything like if everybody was just at least on the same page and like you know like we're in this together let's all get through this together like but yeah just consistently just seems from like our government that every like month Tom said, like, yeah like some people are more equal than others do you know what i mean like you can you can um vote down the bill um against providing free school meals um, for kids in the holidays but then you know um have um what was the other thing that happened um you know an increase in mp salaries like things like that it's just like it, it's the the dichotomy is so like in your face and drastic that it's just a bit mad to be honest but um let's not dwell on this too long you know i can chat for days but um Kweku, man what are you saying you good yeah i'm good bro i had um what might be the last link up with with some of the man them just yeah. know how <laughs> jokers were in were in um, one little ethiopian cafe in bricks and not at bricks and like oval kind of bricks okay and, yeah yeah and um we found out because we, we were just chatting with you and then we saw on twitter the announcement like two hours later or however late it was then it was meant to be and yeah it just kind of hit home like okay this might be the last time we're doing this for a while yeah yeah, um, yeah. so he's just trying to get the most out of it just been chilling had um you know they do the ethiopian like coffee ceremonies and that mm. and i'm not really a coffee guy but i banged the coffee around yeah. like eight and i was wired like <laughs> i couldn't go to bed bro i was do I you was, know what? i've never i've never had ethiopian coffee is it like very very strong then is it like turkish yeah, coffee yeah. or they do yeah they do pretty strong and they mm. usually have like cinnamon and like it's a bit spicy in it mm. um but yeah, I'm not I'm like if you're not a coffee guy, like drinking lit is is, is, is <laughs> so yeah. like I, I'm I'm a bit like I wouldn't say hungover. That's probably not the right term, but you know when you're just a little bit you want to come down, groggy. yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah. What do you know what I mean? Down. It's kind of like yeah, a come yeah, down, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair, um, fair. But yeah, man's good. good. Well, thank you for for battling against that come down and and yeah, thanks everybody actually for being here. And um, I guess without further ado, like our guest has been sitting quietly and patiently. Um, so um yeah, uh, I'll intro well, I'll do a little brief intro, but um our guest he can he can go into a bit more about what he does. But um yeah, so um we have um Darren Tinkerang on the show today. Um he is uh the founder of um Trimit, uh which is um a barber app uh where you can book your barber um via the app and that barber will come to your house uh in like essentially like a kind of like a transit van which has been decked out to be like a mini barbershop um and you can have your haircut um you know at the comfort of being like right in front of your house um just one-on-one with your barber um and yeah just having that sort of uh facility anywhere you are uh within within the london area um and it was basically my idea to to get Darren on the show today because I'm I'm a big big advocate of of the app. I use it. Uh, I'm a happy subscriber, uh, and it has actually made my life in lockdown um, a lot easier because I was not keen on going out and mixing with people in barbershops and stuff like that, and having to wait as well. I hate waiting in barbershops. Like I did enough of that as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's been a massive massive hack for me. Um, but also, I think um, as um, a black tech founder as well, I thought it was really important to to hear more from the black tech community, which is actually, I think, is um, is really sort of um, thriving. Um, and I know Kweku, um is very involved in that as well. But um, yeah, so that's my little intro. But um, Darren, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, and yeah, just tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and, and your journey and, and um, how you came up with the idea for Trim It. 
So that was a really good introduction, by the way. Normally, um, I have to fill in a lot of gaps, but you've done you've done a really good job. Um, oh, so as as <laughs> so as as you said, like I'm, I'm Darren. I think before even going into the journey, before talking about Trimit, I think it's important that I emphasise that like I'm just a regular guy from Brixton, regular Ghanaian guy from Brixton. So um, when I when I like to give my introductions, I like to do a bit of like humanity first. Um, so to give a bit of context, like. Um, I'm a big anime watcher. I love anime. Um, I'm a lover of music. So from drill to gospel to, to house music to jazz, um, I, I love I love it all. Um, I'm one of those Ghanaians that like, I'm proud to admit that Nigerian jollof rice is actually better. Um, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. This podcast is finished. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is finished. It's done. It's we, done. We I'm, go I'm, for ages without this debate and then it just rears its head at a I random time. No interest. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm off. I'm off. I'm going up to the mountains right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God bless all you, man. Can you imagine this slander, bro? It's so funny because it's just. It's always just me and Pat just here, just, just sipping tea when this comes up. <laughs> yeah, so just for anyone that doesn't know, me and Bill are, um, we're West, well, we have West Indian heritage um, and um, mm-hmm. Tom and Kweku are of Ghanaian stock. So I don't think that went down very well. With them. So but Darren, listen, yeah. listen, Darren, let me guess, by the way, you don't like egg either, yeah? No, man loves egg. Just, yeah, all right, all right. There's some yeah, common, yeah. there's some commonality. Yeah. All right, fine. No, man loves eggs. I, let- I love it. But my girlfriend is, um, she's Nigerian, isn't it? So, oh, this is I've why. Just, this is why you're saying it's a banks. Ah, okay. No, you're forced. I've, you're... I've compared my no, no, I've compared my mum's one, compared my girls' one, and, and just when I think about and deep, wow. and I love my mum's cooking in it. Wow. Just the Nigerian jollof, it bangs more. Like, wow. so this is slander, you know, bro. It. You must have it's, some special extra like ingredients or something. Cause, like, bro, on, this is slanderous. In, in general, yeah, on average, yeah. It's <laughs> like it's dead. It's not level. Slanderous, bro. How long have you been with your babes? If we, you know, you don't have to divulge the information. But how long have you been with your girlfriend, by the way? Um, about four years. And how long? How long? How how old are you, bruv? I'm I'm 26. So it? you've had your mum for 26 years, but your babes for four years, and yet you're saying that her night. Oh wow. No, it's a huh. testament. Deep it, deep it. What you're That's saying? That's a testament. Is, you know? <laughs> yeah. I hear where you're coming. It's hey, mad. Like, Hey, bro, you're a spin doctor, not a, not a tech founder. I tell you, you're a spin doctor. Right? <laughs> all right, all right. Let's let's let Darren land, man. I want to hear more about because do you know what? I really love the fact that Darren was like, "Look, I'm a tech founder, yes, and I do this, but actually, I'm a human being first, and this is this is me." So nah, I, I was that. enjoying that until that. Tom. Just I'm sorry, in, Darren. Man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's I'm my sorry, fault. Bro. I shouldn't have bring, <laughs> brought controversy in it. But um, no, we love yeah, it. That's one what of, we're here for. We love it. Bro. <laughs> um, one of the things that I suppose. Um, identify with and again I'm going I'm bringing back to I'm get I'm bringing back my parents into this but um, I'm dyslexic and I actually hold it like to my chest like I say it all the time um, and the reason why I say it is because uh, I went through education struggling big time um, I got tested funny enough like I got tested myself um, when I was in my last year of university mm. however I found out or my mum found out I was dyslexic when I was five, or in early, early primary school. But her being African, yeah, she just said, right, that's not a real thing. Mm. So throughout all of, like, education, I've just struggled. And small stuff like, once I get particularly tired, the words will move around the screen. And the way I process information is different. So mm. I'm saying I'm dyslexic, and normally dyslexia is, like, associated with, like, 
being stupid if I'm going to be brutally blunt. However, academically, I've been excellent in it. So throughout mm-hmm. schools, getting A stars and A's, and left university with a good degree. Mm-hmm. Like I've done well academically, but I've struggled on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm just a bit annoyed when I when I think about, it, I get a bit annoyed with my with my parents because at university I would have got extra free kit, free laptop, twenty minutes extra time. I could have I could have enjoyed in it, but um, <laughs> it's not the end of the world. But what what why the reason why I put it on my chest is just that um, I kind of want to change the association with dyslexia being something that is um, associated with not being able to learn or not being um, clever, and it's just everything about the way I process like the world and where I process information. And I feel like it holds a lot of weight going now back into the whole tech stuff because um, it allows me to think a lot differently and allows me to tackle problems with unique solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, man, this, that's, that's just a little bit about me. Um, as, as it was said by Kweku, that I'm, I'm, the, I'm the proud founder of Trimit um, and you've, you've got a really good introduction, but the short version for me is that we decided that it would be a good idea to put um, a barber shop in the back of a van and through an app you can book it to your, your location so this could be a house it could be the gym mm. um, it could be the office actually we've had one time where a guy booked a haircut outside of a club he came out of the club <laughs> got a trim then went back into the club <laughs> um, so flex. <laughs> what a flex oh, it's a flex bro hey, that's the, yeah, we're living in the future now I knew that he was doing it yeah it's crazy man I just wish I knew he was doing it because I would have filmed the hell out of it um and I don't know if you've got the girl's number, but what I do know is that it, it highlights that like our service is very, very convenient. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. Um, yeah, so Trimit has come from like a very, very small, humble beginnings. We're, we're a lot bigger now. Um, we started off like as a business competition in, in Sussex, at the University of Sussex. That's how I found my team. That's how I formulated the idea. Mm. And... Um, we, we ended up winning this business competition. We won our first 10K and it gave me the confidence to, um, I suppose, start Trinet and to start our journey. At the yeah. time, um, I was actually working in Dublin as well. So I came out of university, um, won the business competition, but went straight into work. So I was working in Dublin. I was to and from London and Dublin, um, working at Paddy Power as an in-house entrepreneur. Um, okay. And... So it was a yeah, very fun job, like tackling like different problems and yeah. 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 Um, but then I, I came into my first problem, which was I was falling deeply, deeply in love yeah, with Trimit mm. and I couldn't really focus at work in it. So yeah, I just yeah. hit myself the target of saving up another 10K and then bouncing. Mm. Um, and that's because I was actually getting pressure from a lot of like my mentors. And this yeah. is like, I don't know whether this is a podcast where I'm meant to be giving tips but this is certainly a big tip that I'll give here yeah. is that like it's important that we don't always take on so much advice and that we understand our context in it. Yeah. Um, so one of my mentors, um, he was like a, I don't know, a well-off white guy, um, had money, came from money. And he was like, Darren, like no one's going to take you serious. No one's going to take your, your business serious if you don't quit your job. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, like, that, that, that makes sense. But in reality, it didn't. Because mm. unlike him, I didn't have, like, money to fall back on. Yeah, I didn't yeah. have savings. Like, so anyway, I quit my job after saving 10K. And I, I kid you not, like, within four months, me pumping that into the business and me trying to live, that money was gone. Mm. And I spent the next two years, like, just broke. 
like so broke mm. and it made the trimmer journey a lot harder and I don't feel like I needed to put myself in that position mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and because because of the fact that I was broke at that time when I raised I was in the mindset I needed to be broke so even when I raised like I didn't pay myself or the rest of the team well enough um, I just I don't know if, if this is a thing having a broke mindset and wanting to be broke like I feel like there's this stigma that you know you have to be broke at the beginning of the journey you don't but yeah, um, yeah. but yeah so we went through a really tough phase, phase mentally as like a small team just like trying to execute on this vision execute on this idea whilst um, financially not lining our own pockets but yeah. um, I suppose yeah that's, that's changed a bit but I think I'm even diverging a little bit or going around in circles but yeah trim it um, I've given my introduction and I suppose if you don't have any questions <laughs> yeah. I'm here to yeah, here to answer Thanks, man. Um, so, um, oh yeah, just to, just to, um, be clear, does, this is Patrick talking at the moment and Kweku. Do you think we sound similar, Kweku? Because somebody else has said that they get us mixed up, but I don't know. Mm, um, no, nah, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, oh, do you know what it is? Sorry, sorry. So I thought because well, you we said you're Patrick and Kweku, you're both Ghanaian, and no. So I'm I'm West Indian. Bilal's West Indian, and then Tom is um, Ghanaian, and so is Kweku. So yeah, yeah. Um, oh right, okay. I don't know why. I just I, no, no. It's yeah, cool. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when you're not in the studio. It's difficult to like kind of nail down the the voices. But um, yeah. No, thank you so much for for that. I, I really appreciate that. Um, you gave like such a sort of, I guess, like balanced um introduction to to what you do. Like um, I think it's very easy. I think for people to see like tech founders and um and just kind of assume that like they kind of have this glamorous lifestyle and like you know um you go through investment rounds and then like suddenly you got all this cash and you just you know you just sort of throw it at this and throw it at that and just and and i guess it's it's really not like that just like anything else i suppose um but yeah thank you thank you for being so so frank and so honest um yeah i I mean you mentioned um mentors and um it's funny actually i am recently had um an idea for for something tech related as well and i was talking to um a few of my friends and one of my friends um who also works in tech. so i've i've worked in tech before but um not as like not as a founder not anybody sort of um at this i guess the top table just as a just as an employee so i had a bit of an experience in that um but yeah one of my good friends um he's um part of the i think yeah he has equity now um, but he's part of this sort of um, ed tech um, uh, app um, and it's doing pretty well. But I, I just sort of asked him, you know, like, what are my next steps? What do you think I should do? And, and the first thing he said to me was like, you really need a mentor. You need somebody that can kind of sort of guide you through the process and just kind of um, keep you accountable to, you know, the things, the the ideas that you've had. And like, so you don't sort of lose that drive and that focus um so so he was like really emphasizing the importance of a mentor and you know you mentioned that you had a few um but i guess you know mentors often they give advice based on their own lived experience and perhaps not not your own so um what what would you say is like you know the most sort of important thing about having a mentor do you think it's an essential thing for somebody that's interested in in starting not just a tech business but just you know somebody that wants to kind of i guess progress in 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 a career or or yeah just in general in life yeah i think having a mentor is super important i think where we lack in terms of experience 
or mm-hmm. competency. We need mm-hmm. to overcompensate in enthusiasm mm-hmm. and and getting mentorship just to add to that level of um, I don't know experience that you don't have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, um, what I found is that the, the, how I extract the, the most value from a mentor isn't necessarily taking every word for gold, mm-hmm. and is to have a mentor for a specific thing. Right. So, um, I think it's I think it's unwise for me now going from my experience and I mean maybe maybe I've got just a really big head and I think I'm always right but um, it's one of those ones where a mentor can't tell me what to do they mm-hmm. can just only tell me what they have done in a given context right um, okay. my context is always going to be very very different to anybody else's and I can't even properly articulate my my context because there's so many things I have to take into consider into consideration so for example if I lack uh, experience in accountancy for example i will go to an accountant and seek counsel there yeah. if i um need particular help on um a particular problem when it comes to logistics or vehicle management mm-hmm. i'll go to i don't know a logistics expert and speak to that person accordingly yeah. or if it's investment i'll go and speak to andy davis who's a but when it comes to like business and just the pure commercials mm-hmm. um especially when you're doing something that's really unique and really new yeah um, you haven't got a benchmark to um to really use someone else's information and, and completely apply it it doesn't always make sense like that so i just feel mm. like it's important that um i keep on going back to this but it's just important that you have faith in your own ability to make the right decision and like it's important also that we make the wrong decision sometimes and learn from that and understand why why that was wrong yeah um, yeah but yeah, so yeah, I think if you're going to have mentors, potentially mm-hmm. like you should have, first of all, several mentors for different mm-hmm. scenarios and like where you lack in terms of skill set. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just like take every bit of information with a pinch of salt. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I, I, Darren, just um, I guess background wise, so I work for YSYS, so um, I know that you like Yo, you're involved in sharp debs yeah um i know that you're obviously really involved in the community and um you know you're, you're very yeah ingrained within the kind of like black tech space and what have you um one thing i do is i manage a program called founders door and we have like a lot of 18 to 24 year olds um first-time founders you know people that are just even just experimenting and seeing whether that's something that they want to get into and we really stress the importance of validating your business you know validating your business idea doing customer interviews um kind of like how you can at a very cheap cost um get your first bit of traction and 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 what have you um and i was wondering like from your perspective obviously there's there's theory and you know there's a lot of things around the lean um the lean startup model and, and things like that um how much of that do you feel like you apply to your particular journey and um you know as far as like the validation piece like what was your process for that like how did you yes. know okay this is a an idea that i should really push yeah so how much of that i, I did i apply and it's funny i feel like every founder goes through the same steps the same um the same kind of model and i think i applied too much of lean canvas if i'm going to be um, brutally honest so mm. um again context is so key and i think when Wait, sorry, is this is this PG? Like when we're, when we're speaking, do I need to just consider my language? Oh no, no, be free. Obviously, to ah. to 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 thingy in it. Like, 
Okay, cool. Within, I mean, yeah. either, either way, I'll just, I'll just try and pat myself. Just that sometimes my, my language can be a bit foul. Um, <laughs> yeah, so with the, like, MVP, for example, so that's the minimal viable product. I think mm. um, a lot of founders, I know myself anyway, you kind of mistake that to creating a really crap product. And that's not what it's meant to actually be. What it's meant to be is like creating a product with minimal um, features. Mm-hmm. So we created that. So when Trim initially started, so I think I missed out a massive aspect of our story, but Trim it started off as a fear marketplace platform. So we were similar to like an Air, we were like an Airbnb, but for barbers. So we had over 300 barbers on the platform. Right. Um, and you were able to, this is like back in 2000 and like 15, 16. And you were able to book said barber, like book an appointment and rock up. So back in the day, like, as it's not, it's not so much the issue now, even though there's still tons of barbers that don't even have a booking system. Um, the issue that we were, we, were, we were trying to tackle was the fact that you could go to a barber's and wait three hours on a Friday or on a Saturday. So um, we thought, you know, having a booking system would help. And what we found is that we created this product and it was just so dead. It just didn't really work. Um, and we started to refine this product and it got a bit better. So we were doing about 2000 bookings um, a month. And this was like, this was like with the 10K that we used or the 10K that we had. Um, so we hadn't pumped in that much money into trim it, but we started to get something work and we started to get a bit of traction. But then we not, but then we started to notice um, that every single day we'd get complaints. And the complaints would be, you know, I've booked an appointment, but I don't know, quick you down the road has made me wait three hours still. Or mm-hmm. Patrick down the road um, has gone and picked up his child mid-trim and has come back 45 minutes later. And it's nuts. Like it's, when the you have a bad is, experience here yeah, with Uber, for example, yeah. oh, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, I'm laughing because like I've, I've lived these experiences. It's not then, unheard of, is it? Is no, nah, I, I was going to, it's I'll, so normal. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sorry. Go on. Karen, Darren. Yeah. So what I was trying to say is that like, when you have um, a bad experience with an Uber, for example, you're not necessarily annoyed at the driver. You're annoyed at Uber. Um, and we were seeing that our, our brand was diminishing every day. So I was in the office. We had an office in Shoreditch at the time. And I, like I remember it was like 11 o'clock. My, hand was in my, 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 my head was on my hands. And I was like, yo, I'm about to quit this thing. I'm actually really about to quit. And my boy say. Um, he came to visit me and I was in a very dark place. So I'm like, I can't stress it enough. Like the, the scene, if I, if I can paint the scene, it was dark. I was sad. <laughs> um, and we had raised the little friends and family round. So we did like a, the 30K raise and we had just under 15K left in the bank. I was, I was about to give everybody back their piece or give part of their piece back. And I always had the idea of like the mobile barbershop. And he's like, and when you, when you describe the idea without actually physically seeing it, um, and without years of trying to refine what the messaging is as well, the idea sounds so wacky. It sounds so nuts. Um, but say encouragement is like, look down, the idea sounds nuts, but um, you're the only guy mad enough that can actually make it work. Um, so just go ahead and try it. So outside my mum's house with the last about like, 15K, um, we created what I would consider now our MVP, but 
our MVP is meant to be. Um, so this is where I didn't apply. I, I didn't apply the last learnings, which is to create this like kind of shoddy app that didn't really work. This mm-hmm. time I created a product. So the mobile barbershop that um, that worked and it was good and it made people feel like kind of luxury. So this is outside my mom's house. Like we, it was so funny. Um, uh, I got these two builders. In the morning, we'd watch YouTube videos of camper van um, conversions, and we'd just go and build. Like we didn't have a, we had no idea what we were doing. But all I know is that I needed to make sure that the van didn't feel like a van, and that our barbers were able to cut hair in in, in said van. So we spent about sixteen days. So we did it pretty quick. We spent about sixteen days doing this conversion every single day, um, doing this conversion, and. Um, what was crazy? I think I have. I, well, not. I think I have. I have family that are part of the music industry, and Charlie Sloth, um, and Steve, um They got. A, they got a whiff of like what we were doing. So they were our, like our, one of our first few customers in, our, in the first week in it, and all of a sudden, like we just saw our demand skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Um, we we were fully booked for like ten days in it, and it was the first time. So with the previous model, we weren't really making money. It was the first time, like on our first day, we made two, like just over two thousand. And I was like, "Wow, wow like this thing's actually yeah. making a bit of money." Like, yo, like this is making us peace. Yeah, um, yeah. And I was so used to like, let's just get traction and get users, and the money will follow like accordingly. But this time, from day one, we we're making peace, and I was like, "Okay, this has actually got legs." Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the moment where I was like, "Okay, I think I've achieved a bit of product market fit. It's a bit of traction, and I've." I can kind of safely confirm that people will come out of their house, jump in a van and get a trim and feel happy afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment for me when I knew that um, this had potential. Mm-hmm. A lot of things happened along the way um, to mm-hmm. give me like further validation. And I think the whole journey of a startup anyway is to go validating different assumptions. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, that's, I don't know if that was a very long winded answer, but. That's uh, oh, a good answer. Yeah. Bro. yeah. Can I just ask, um, because at the start you mentioned, I want to talk about the funding here and and maybe some valuations and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Because I kind of look at some of that on a on a day to day basis. Um, you said you started mm-hmm. off with ten k, then you you ended up with another ten k, and then you know talk about the funding rounds and talk about the the people that's and you mentioned fam- family and friends as well. Talk about you know uh, kind of the process of getting funding. Um, investors, whether you've been diluted, how much you've been diluted because of investors wanting to come in. Um, what are the plans next? You're going to do any bridge loans, any forms of debt to actually, you know, make yourself less uh, diluted. Just talk about that process, and also on. Actually, I'll ask a second question on following on from that. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure. So um, we've raised in total 1.28 million. Um, so we did our first round, uh, was ten, or I don't know if you call it a round, we won a business competition, it's 10K. I then saved up um, 10K and, and took on a personal loan of 20,000. 20, so, um, and then we did a friends and family round of 30K as well. So the friends and family round, um, to say that I knew what I was doing would be a big lie. I didn't, I just went around to people just being like, yo, like I, I need a bit of peace. Unfortunately, we were able to find um, like Nathan, for example, his parents put in a bit of money. Um, Nathan's one of the people that I started trimming with. Um, and yeah, like we we didn't really have an evaluation in mind. We just said, look, give us 10K each. 
and you have one percent of the business. So in theory, we're, we're basically saying look, our, our business value is just under a million. Yeah, um, and I suppose we were kind of lucky then because we kind of valued our business for a tech startup fairly reasonably because we weren't we weren't ever going to do a down round. Um, so we then went on to um, raise another round. Um, this was through angels, and that was at two hundred. 55, I believe, or something like that. Um, and that happened. I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian, and I can only tell you that, like, I genuinely believe that that happened through God because I don't have a background in VC. I don't have a background of investors. But things just happened, and it just kind of landed um, on my lap. But I am an avid believer of, like, you do create your own opportunities. So I can give you an example of this round. So there was this guy called Doug Scott. And one of our investors, he's invested in this round and like some of the other rounds as well. And he put out a tweet um, just saying, I'm looking to meet cool founders in it. Um, and I don't know why, but I was just drawn to that one tweet. tweet, And there was a, like a link to how, how to meet him. So he's, he's a, he, he says that he's not an investor, but in reality he is. Um, but I know that he's like run loads of like successful businesses in the past. So... Um, I'll go to meet this guy in Birmingham and um, other founders are there. And when I introduce myself, I'm like, yo, I'm the, I'm the founder of Trimit. There's another founder that's been like, that's, that's there. They're saying, oh, yeah, like you're the founder of Trimit. Like I, I use your products. Like you look sick. And this is in front of Doug. So already Doug's um, interpretation or his perception is good because this one founder is there. But bear in mind at this point, we only had one van in London, you know? Mm. So for one van and we we would do about let's say seven haircuts a day so for that one van to be cutting that one guy <laughs> that's also at this guy um, this the doug's place in birmingham was just like the chances of it is just next to nothing in it it was crazy mm-hmm. um but yeah so one one bit that i did forget to miss out so i'm saying that the perception is good but th- the first thing that doug said when he when i mentioned my idea that your idea is shit that that's that's the first thing he said to me um but we somehow like because of, because of the fact that he said that and I was raising that kind of brought an air of ease like normally I'm used to investors like kind of like taking me on like a long ride and whatnot but because he said that I just wanted to learn from him so we ended up having like a five everybody had left but he wanted to continue speaking to me we had like a five five hour conversation about everything from childhood to simulation theory to I don't know anime to, we had a conversation about everything. It was nuts. Um, he did a few, like he then wanted to understand our numbers with Trimit. He then understood that, look, we've got a bit of traction and the numbers are looking okay for him. And he saw ways to refine it. Anyway, I go, I, 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 I leave him. And then when I'm on the train back home, I just get, and this is where he was flexing it. It was funny. Um, I get an email, but there's nothing in the actual body of the email. Everything's written in the, in the title. Mm-hmm. And he just says, um, are you still interested in having an investor? I'll put in X amount, think face. And that's it. And I just knew it was from Doug. It wasn't even from his, um, from his personal email. It was from like a, a, I don't know what you call it, like just some fake email. But I knew it was Doug. Um, and it's those type of experiences there um, that, have, like, that have just repeatedly happened um, where I meet like a really cool person or a really um, wealthy or um, successful person and they're able to sow a seed into Trimit and into, into my life. Um, so anyway, through those type of experience, I ended up raising 255. So when people ask me like, okay, Darren, how'd you raise investment? 
I find it so difficult to even explain because there wasn't like a set strategy as black per se, or there wasn't a set um, network of people that I could reach into. Um, I just met cool people that introduced me to cool people and that, and I was chasing these opportunities. Um, so anyway, we raised 255K there, we then raised 100K from Backstage Capital. Um, we then did a, back, um, a bridge round. This was, um, when did we do a bridge round? This was maybe like a year ago, 2019. Um, we were some of our existing investors, but investors that weren't able to get in um, when we did the 255K round. Um, and that was over 175. And then we just recently, I think we closed, closed just like a month ago, like of 750. Um, so that brings the total to 1.28 mil or something like that. But um, mm-hmm. that, that, the, the purpose of that raise is just to scale the operation. So yeah. um, for us, uh, everything, as I said, like we, we've been validating a few things over the course. So the first bit of validation for us was um, will people be happy getting into a van and getting a trim? We validated that. Mm-hmm. And then the next stage was to go to five ends um, and validate that we can we, we actually have a business model here that can actually generate us um, a gross profit like it can generate generate us money mm-hmm. um, we validated that then the next phase is to go to seven to eight vans if you're done and that was to say can we fine tune this business and go from doing six haircuts a day to doing 13 haircuts a day and how do we do that from a technical technological point of view mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. we validated that and now it's like okay cool so we've proven this business model this thing makes money um, well like one van for us generates us 110k mm-hmm. and um, now it's like okay cool how do we scale the hell out of this and f- for us it's like free franchise wait did you, sorry did you just say one van generates you 110k yeah wow yeah <laughs> My God. And what was like the, the cost of getting yourself into the, of buying like one van? Like the margin on that just sounds like. Yeah, the margin's good. Um, just for the context of um, this podcast, yeah, I can't even go into the numbers too tough just because I'm starting to get competition, bro. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, no, no, we understand. No, 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 I do this. No, no, I do, no, no, that's fine. We don't win the game. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, everything that I'm that like everything I'm saying is that it's just that it's so readily available online that I'm just not even that like it doesn't bother me too tough. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, the not the margins are good. The margins yeah, yeah. are good. Um, yeah, no, we obviously if, we understand how commercially sensitive this kind of numbers are. So I'm not going to ask yeah. you any any offline. I'll ask you a couple of questions. But actually, <laughs> I do cool. I do I do have a I do have a question about funding how how do you obviously you've got to the point where you've scaled up a lot now and you want to scale up and and i will ask you afterwards what your plans are for scaling up and what your mm-hmm. forecasts are for cfo capex or that. but we won't do it here because obviously people will be listening but what i do want to ask is um how do you make sure that funders or people that are, you know people that are giving you seed don't don't necessarily take advantage because you mentioned there was a funding round and, and I've seen that and I've seen it before with some companies. And again, we can talk about more of this offline, but I've seen some companies where they've done, they've got seed from certain investors or whatever. And, but the structure of the deal means that it's really hard for anybody else to come in because some of these guys are slick enough to say, actually, we're going to be class A or we're going to be preferred shareholders, which basically means if I put my money in, I'm going to get diluted. And the reason why I say this is because there was a company that asks for an investment round. I said, can you send over docs and, you know, memorandums and I can have it, actually have a look. So I looked and I saw all the rounds of funding, which was listed, but I also saw there was an investor who put money in, but basically made sure that everybody else who came after this investor basically got themselves diluted the more they put money in. And I was like, 
bro, That's I was nuts. like, you're trying to shaft me by asking me to put you in. And it wasn't a small amount of money, by the way, because I've been talking for a while. And I said, you're asking me to put money in, but I'm going to get diluted by, you know, X, X percent. And I was like, what's the point? He's like, oh, well, I didn't think you catch that. I'm like, bro, it's my job to catch these things. You're asking me to make an investment and you're do so, you know, that's kind of one of the, the things I always have in, like, I always get worried about sometimes when people are on this journey, that people who are financially savvy just take advantage of you as a visionary. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, so there's two things here. I mean, again, this is where mentorship is key um, and understanding the deal terms. But uh, funny enough for me, uh, when I was, when we were doing the rounds, um, I made, I was adamant that I was actually going to set the terms. So I set all my terms and it's for, the investors then to reject the terms and um, mm. I was quite firm as to um, what could and could not be in it. Um, and then on top of it as well, I, there was an educational piece there that I had to do for some of our um, angel investors um, that weren't like, I don't know, startup investors that doing messed up deals only affects the business. Um, mm. It's important that we incentivize the founders to continue on their mission. And that's how I'll be able to bring back value to our investors and to the shareholders. Yeah. Um, so if they're effing me over, um, they're kind of effing themselves over. They've got situations where um, they invest in a certain amount and they can't be diluted. It just makes trim it less attractive to a less attractive investment to the next investor. If we would if we were to require additional capital to grow. So, um, yeah, what, what I did is just to, just to really educate and get everybody on the same page, just knowing that, look, like these underhanded deals, it's just not, not something that can run. Um, in terms of valuation, we made sure that, like, I still have a very hum like a very big chunk of Trimit. I mean, I've got, I'm the majority stakeholder within Trimit after all of these rounds still. Um, mm. So, like, I, I mean, I have, like, 49% of the company. So, like, I'm, I'm still, I'm, and I've also got co-founders and whatnot, so I'm still, like, I still have control mm -hmm. and yeah, it's just important. Like I, I just need to jump. That's it's super important for me. I was going to ask, um, within the sort of the tech space and like, um, sort of within the sort of VC environment, um, with investors and whatever else, um, is it generally the case that investors, um, allow founders to kind of take the lead on the sort of the visionary direction of, of, of the, of the, the brand or the the company or do you find a lot of investors kind of it's almost like a kind of like too many cooks spoil the broth sort of situation where they're sort of competing um ideas on like the direction of it um how, how has it been for you and on, on your journey with that yeah i mean there's definitely been input i'm i think i said at the very beginning i'm quite i'm quite like stubborn i'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm confident in my own opinion mm -hmm. and um how I view investors is that they're just one, and for say, I've had a conversation with Say, and he describes it perfectly. They're just um, one like data point. Mm -hmm. um, and I use their, that, that data point to come to an informed decision. An investor, like in its really basic form, is, is there to add capital into Trimit. So subsequently, yeah. um, they've invested in Trimit and invested in me and it's my job to push Trimit forward and it's my job to have the big vision and get us all towards that big vision. So, yeah, um, yeah invested there as, as, a, as a resource and um, as a resource to myself, like in terms of mentorship and, uh, and in terms of their capital. Mm -hmm. And it's what I then do with that information. Um, so, 
yeah, I, I didn't, I don't, I don't really, I didn't. I've had situations where investors have a certain opinion on how best to maneuver in a particular situation or where to go, mm. but ultimately the decision always lies mm-hmm. And legally, that's that is the structure of trim as well. The, the decision falls. Cool, cool. And just sort of on the back of that, um, so sort of in general terms, being a black tech founder, how has that been? How is your your blackness, your identity? Um, how is that kind of um, I guess intersected with with your journey as well and how you're sort of received in in the tech space um and like i guess sort of related to that as well um how would you kind of describe the health of sort of like the black tech work and the black tech sort of environment at the moment the space like do you think um it's in a good place do you think that it's it's growing um do you think it has a bright future um yeah yeah, I think it's um, definitely growing. I think the black tech scene is, is incredible now. Um, mm. Where it was five years ago when I, I suppose I, I first, we, start, we first started creating a community. So I met Debs um, about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, then went on to meet like Andy A.M. and uh, like Andrew Davis and people like Say. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of us um, and it's, it's, even, it's thriving even more now. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, yeah, so it's a great like support mechanism but what, what's really interesting for me anyway is that um, once you get to a certain phase within your business, um, well, for me anyway, I, I've taken a step back a little bit. Um, I'm becoming a lot, tunnel, like a, a lot more tunnel vision and I'm just like super focused on, on my business. So I'm here okay. to offer out like, like support and whatnot. But for me to actually tell you what the tech scene is actually saying or mm. what the black tech scene is saying because I was never a part of a tech scene. Um, mm, I, I've yes. never been a part of the tech scene, but I've definitely been a part of like the black entrepreneurship like ecosystem. Okay, um, yeah. But I've, I'm, I'm here to offer support. But in reality, like I can't even for 100% tell you how it's going because mm. um, I've taken a step back and I'm just focusing on like like work now. If that makes yeah, sense. yeah. And, yeah. I, and I, I, was, I was just going to say, I guess that sort of says a lot about how like, so whatever kind of industry or environment black people find themselves in it's always like there's a kind of there's like a second sort of job that's attached to it or at least there's a tendency where it's like you're sort of flying a flag for the black community or you have to kind of do a bit of kind of like a diversity sort of education on and stuff like that do you see what i mean it's like it's mm-hmm. it's very difficult as as a black person in in whatever kind of capacity you find yourself in to just do what you do um without sort of the the sort of the attached kind of like i guess a kind of like a political kind of thing that comes with it being being a black person in that space but um i totally yeah, get it I was, like i was recently in um in i don't know if you call it like a panel with um sharmadeen reed so she's the founder mm-hmm. of um uh, i was about to say one now she's a founder of beauty stack yeah and yeah. um she was saying something that was really important that like with a lot of black founders like you don't necessarily need to take on the, the pressure of flying the flag because that mm. brings a huge amount of pressure. I remember I used to feel like, oh, my days, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy from ENDS and I'm doing this tech thing. I need to, I need to win. Now, now my mindset is just like, look, I want to win and, I, and, I, and that, that, that is enough for me um, because that can, bring, that can bring a lot, like a lot of pressure. So, mm. um, yeah, I don't even know why I'm saying the point, but I just feel like when, we, when we're talking about like the whole black scene, um, for black entrepreneurs, like I feel like it's it's important that they know that they can be super successful and want to be super successful without having the, the pressures of 
having to be the first guy or the first woman mm. or mm. the um, the black guy that's done X, Y, and Z. Mm. If that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely hear what you're saying. It's like, I think for me, it's just like in general, the way that we sort of approach our careers and and um, sort of what we stand for, it's a it's a really tricky balance to kind of to 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 find because it's like, you know, you do wanna you you wanna help your community or you wanna like put other people on or you wanna you know um, improve I guess the sort of our our general situation, but then at, like at what cost, at what expense, um, you know, you can't put all all of your big all of your eggs, sorry, in one basket and then kind of like, you know, lose focus on what you're originally there to do. So yeah. Um, I think for me, it's always been like a, a, a tricky one to like kind of to strike a balance between. And then the other thing also is like, you know, if you are kind of, um, if you're someone that, you know, speaks up for sort of, um, issues, black issues, or like what you do is considered a form of activism. It's like, there's also the kind of dilemma of like, is it right that I'm sort of monetizing this? Is it right that I'm kind of, you know, this is my kind of my bread and butter, but should it be like, if things were good, then I wouldn't be able to do this. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one, but um, yeah, no, thank you for like sort of for highlighting that. And yeah, again, just, just being like sort of open and honest about it as well. Um, I had one, one other question. I just, I know I've talked a little bit, so I don't know if the other guys um, wanted to ask before I get my question in, if they had anything that they wanted to ask first. Yeah, um, I had a question. Um, cool. Well, I initially I had a question that was kind of following on from Tom's kind of like investment stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that can, that's more of kind of like a, a short response, I imagine. So like, um, it seems like at the moment, are all of your, like all of the investors you've had through kind of like um, angels, have you, gone the VC route at any point? I mean, I tried to go the VC route the last round, um, but the process just took, a, like, too long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's fun. Like, when I first raised, that took me about... So the 225 took me about seven months to raise. Okay. 750 this time took me about two months to raise. Mm-hmm. Um, and VCs don't move at that pace. Mm-hmm. And also, um, this, the, the nature of Trim as well is that was seen almost like a hardware as like a hardware company. So, right. um, because of that initial, the perceived initial um, capital that you need to deploy for the vans, even though that's not how our business is structured. So, we weren't even an attractive option for VCs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we've just gone down the the angel route again for the seven fifty. However, mm-hmm. we've gone down a super angel. So, one person's given us uh, the seven fifty. Good chunk. That's that's yeah. good, man. I feel like um, this kind of this the stereotype of a of a tech founder and VCs seen as like the the only route to to take to some extent. So I always like to hear about founders that have gone like an alternative route to to raising funds. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like really cool to hear. Um, second question I had was around kind of like mental health and well being because you touched on you being in like a very dark place. Um at one point thinking about quitting and and um this is something that's very common i think for founders of of companies and i mean even for I think people in general to be honest in in their careers or just in their personal lives but i do feel like it is a lot more pronounced when you're an entrepreneur um so i wanted to know um you know what you kind of do to keep your 
well-being and mental health in check of course you can't completely divorce yourself of stress that's just part of the game but um you know you mentioned before we we started recording about um you were really into cars and stuff like that and anime like what are the things you do to what are the things you do to you know kind of keep your your well-being in check yeah so i mean i'm i'm still learning now to switch off but something that's really helped um in the past and that continues to help now is that um i've got like a support network of like just black guys my black friends in it and they all have their own businesses or um they're tech founders or web developers and whatnot and we come together like periodically and we just kind of safely offload mm-hmm. um and it's similar to like what we're doing now but is there's so much power and so much strength in being able to talk with a man them and just really be honest in it um and for it to be a, a space of um of no judgment so mm-hmm. that's something that me and my boys have been doing like per- periodically and the banter that comes with that group chat or the banter that comes with um like just meeting up with the man them like it's so grounding and so humbling because sometimes you're so used to being on like work mode and moving at a thousand miles per hour. And then you bring like, you come back to humanity, you come back to the real world and people are just normal and people are like you. And Mm -hmm. you start to realize like that your problems are typically very peak. Um, People are also going through them or have gone through them. And it's kind of light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, like I can't, I can't stress it enough that like, just speaking with your man, them speaking with your guys that are similar to you, that are on the same path to you, like is 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 important. And strategically, like I've made sure that I've made friends, like genuine friends with um with people that I consider peers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's helped a lot. As you said, like um, I, I watch like I watch anime, so that's nice a nice thing for me to kind of like offload or not necessarily offload, but um kind of so disassociate myself with work. Um, I I love to drive. Um, and and yeah, yeah, those are a few things that I do. That's cool, when man. You, yeah, very very diverse kind of like um, ways to approach it, which is which is good. Mm. Um, I know, Patrick, are you gonna ask questions? Uh, yeah, I was just gonna ask Darren in your in your formative years, did you see yourself being in, in this position as as a tech founder, doing what you're what you're doing? Like, what what did you study at university, and do you feel like that kind of geared you towards this, or this is just like like something that sort of came almost like a bolt from the blue like you had this this idea and it just develops and, and now you're here okay so there's been there's two so definitely i thought i me being here now isn't something alien to me like I've, i kind of always thought that this is what was going to happen um now the journey is not, not not something that i could have anticipated and um, the two things that kind of contribute to this the most is one um my mom's actually an entrepreneur herself um so she has like several businesses in ghana and um, I've always, like, grew up thinking, wow, like, my mum is actually cold. Like, I, I hear her on the phone and she's speaking to her employees and I'm seeing her leadership and I'm like, yo, like, this is so sick. So um, that's something that um, has kind of motivated me to, like, be an entrepreneur, be someone that works for myself. Um, additionally, um, I actually did a stint working in the city. So I did a placement. Um, working for an insurance company in like my third year. So I did a four-year course in my third year, you do a placement. So um, I was working in insurance and I suppose for the first six months, I loved it. And I was in a suit, feeling dapper, into work and whatnot. But then after the first six months, like I just felt like this thing was so grey, so boring. And 
um, that really encouraged me to kind of take my destiny by the horns and like really, really um, just go at life on my own terms. Uh, that's actually, it was actually insurance was when I, when I found out I was dyslexic. So my manager, like, he jokingly said like, right, like Darren, like some of the, some of the way you move, like you, you can, obviously I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, you can be dyslexic, but it was a joke. Mm-hmm. And that is what planted the seed for me to go to university and then get tested. Um, so once I kind of found out that information, I was like, yo, I can't go back into the corporate world because one, I'm, I find it boring, but also naturally I'm just not going to thrive there because of my, um, my, we can call it a disadvantage or an advantage, but because of my dyslexia, like I'm just not going to thrive there. So yeah, like I, I've always kind of, from a, from a young age, I've always wanted to, oh, and I studied business management at university, by the way. So, and business studies at, uh, at A-level. So you can kind of see that like business is always, I was that kid in school that sold, that sold sweets. <laughs> so yeah. like I, I was always going to be an entrepreneur. It's just kind of like, matter of like when and what, what I was going to do. Yeah. Tech was never something that I was super interested in. Um, it just happened to be a solution to the problem that I was trying to solve. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like ultimately um, trim it is it's, I guess it's, um, it's an app, so it's, it is tech, but um, the solution is not necessarily a, a tech one. It's just that tech sort of, I guess, powers it or just facilitates it. Would you agree? Or like, is that how you would describe it? Definitely strongly, I strongly disagree. However, okay. um, I like the fact that you said that, like one of our, one of our goals within Trimit is to make Trimit seem as, um, as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. So we, we want you to just see the whole mobile barbershop and the fact that, the, the app allowed you to book said mobile barbershop so it mm. makes our tech look really simple mm. but in reality we're actually a logistics company and okay. the, 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 the logistics to get a barber from a to b mm. is very very technical and on mm. the back end system is, is and all the things that we do to manage your expectation as a customer and let you like let you be aware of the fact that like the barbers come in and, and whatnot it all takes it all requires like a, a big technical solution yeah um, so I mean, we've we have, we've hired three developers, and like those are our, our technology are, is our biggest cost um, mm. in the company. Okay, okay. So, so it's like, um, go on, go on. So yeah, I'm just like the, the, it's it's good that you said look like it's um, a, a barbershop powered by like powered by tech, but in reality, in reality, we're like a logistic company that happened to do hair. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So with that in mind, then do you feel like? with all the sort of the tech and logistical expertise that you have that, um, you know, you could work your way into sort of other spaces as well. Exactly or- what I was about to ask actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as I was saying before, um, this whole thing is all about like validation and testing and whatnot. Mm. And it is part of our, um, our six year plan, for example, to actually do other verticals. So how we plan to expand at the moment now. So now that we've validated the business model now that makes money is that, we're going to go down the route of franchising. Mm. Um, so um, allowing barbers or franchise investors to have their own vehicle and take on the operational pressure of running said van, but we right. give them the, um, the technical solutions on how to get from A to B, um, mm. which is the difficult part. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, that means we can have other, other vehicles. We can have a mobile nail mm. studio. We can have... Mm. Um, a mobile, I don't know, tattoo in place or like whatever. Mm. Like we can have several different verticals because mm. the the 
essence of it is the logistics behind it. Mm. And yeah. I, what I really like about that is that it almost returns to your sort of like your original idea, which are, which was like the sort of the marketplace app. So like mm-hmm. you still have people that work under the, I guess the Trimit umbrella, but like they're, they're still independent, um, mm-hmm. whether they're barbers or um, nail technicians or whatever else. So exactly. I, I, I really like how that's sort of come full circle. It's like quite almost poetic in a way. It's really cool. Um, yeah, I, again, I talk a lot. So guys, um, feel free to, to ask more questions. Um, yeah, I've got a question. So, I mean, and I've, I've had discussions with, I guess, bigger companies about this. How do you, and it's sort of, I guess it's one of the biggest questions that goes on in the automotive industry right now. You've got Autos 2.0, like Tesla and Nikola and these kind of companies that are doing electric vehicles and some that are doing autonomous vehicles. And you've got the old, old tech um, or old autos, autos 1.0, the companies you know and may love, Ford, GM, Volkswagen, all of these kind of uh, companies, right? And then, of course, you've got Tesla on the one side, which has a great valuation, and the rest that just uh, the valuations aren't comparatively as great. How do you, um, Darren, actually convince, um, I mean, you're already convinced investors, but, you know, thinking if you want to go down to the VC route, that this is the kind of route that you want to go down. So how do you convince investors that, you are a part of logistics 2.0, like an Amazon, which is getting crazy multiples versus logistics, you know, 1.0, like UPX, FedEx, that kind of thing, even though they all use the same kind of SAP technology and stuff like that. How do you actually make that? What are the steps? And not necessarily asking for any commercial, commercially sensitive information, but what what's the kind of narrative that you present to say, actually, no, we are in this lane as opposed to that lane, and therefore we should be worth 10x more than what you're suggesting should come on the table? So we haven't had any major um, back and forth in regards to valuation. Um, like what we've tried to do at our best anyway is make sure that like we showcase our numbers and our numbers kind of do our talking for us. Um, we haven't had the, the even the discussion in regards to what type of automotive like company, because we're not an automotive company, but what type of like sort of logistic company are we? Um, no one's really compared us to a Tesla, thank God, because bloody hell, no, no, no. But I mean, more, more, I mean, I said logistics, so more like yeah. UPX, FedEx versus say Amazon, which are they're all logistics companies, but mm-hmm. one clearly has a better valuation than the other, right? So yeah, and we haven't really had that conversation, so I, have, I can't really answer that. Um, I haven't had to convince an investor of that, but um, like. I think it's all about the fact that we, when we are pitching, we are talking about our tech first. Um, and we are talking about, I mean, I'm, so just, you know, like as a, as a tech founder, ironically, I'm not technical. That all comes from my CTO, um, Pete. Um, so it's for him to kind of, he, he articulate, he'll do a much better job articulating like what our technical vision is. Um, he understands what our vision is from a, a commercial standpoint and he's able to apply um, that same logic to our tech. So I can't, I can't really answer the question if that's, if that makes sense. No, no, it's very valid. And another question on, on that as well is, um, I think I already know the answer to this, but I'd just be interested to hear what you say. So are you the kind of CEO like that kind of has a handle on all the numbers or do you leave that more to like other people in your teams? Um, just cause I find that when I talk to people that are in the UK, they tend to say, I leave it over here, but in the U S the CEOs have a handle on all of their numbers. And even in like some European companies, they have a, the CEO always has a, a handle. So what kind of, do you, do you kind of know like daily cash balances and stuff like that? Or do you just leave it to, to the others and you just have the executive vision that you run with? 
I definitely have a hand on the numbers. Um, <laughs> yeah, so for me, I don't know, maybe it's, yeah, I, I have a hand on the numbers. Um, I, I'm the one that formulates like the, the commercial strategy um, that it requires me to have a strong understanding of our, our numbers. Um, I look at it daily. Um, I, I can quickly spot where, where we're underperforming or where we're overperforming. Um, I know what looks like, what looks normal from a financial perspective. And in fact, our, um, our, our company goals are dictated by the financial plans that I create. So, um, like, I understand the numbers from like a, a story point of view, if that, if that makes sense. No, no, it's very clear. Thank yeah. you. Um, I had a couple of questions. First one around kind of like, I guess the personality of, of a founder of an entrepreneur, like um, I've worked with, you know, young entrepreneurs and stuff and they all have different um, personalities, different kind of like temperaments. And it feels like particularly in the world of like, you know, Gary V's and all these kind of um, public figures within the entrepreneurship space that you need to be like a very outspoken, very like um, extroverted personality. And I mean, that might be the case for you, but I kind of get a feel like you're not a super, super like extrovert. Correct me if I'm wrong, of course. But um, how do you feel that, um, how that lends itself to being an entrepreneur, being a founder, being able to like um, excite people about your vision and stuff? Do you feel like there is an advantage of being extroverted compared to being introverted? And if, I guess on the introverted side, are there some benefits that come with that compared to an extrovert? etc etc like what's your kind of take on that yeah i think your um your analysis of me being a bit of an uh, introvert is definitely correct um for the first couple of years like i really battled with myself trying to be an extrovert trying to be like um, a, a thought leader and trying to get people to essentially to like me through being like really really loud um especially on socials, and that's just not who I am, naturally. Mm. Um, I don't think there's necessarily a, a benefit or um, a disadvantage of being one or the other. When I'm speaking about Trimit in a, in a closed environment like this, for example, I feel like it will be, um, you guys can probably all tell that I'm, I'm still so, after five years, like I'm still so excited about Trimit. That's, mm. that's my baby, like I love it. Um, and I can get people excited and I can get people gassed about our vision um, on a one-to-one -one basis. Do I want to be speaking in front of crowds or, or be Mr. Popular? Like, like that doesn't do anything for me. And if mm -hmm. that's a byproduct, then I guess like I'll, I'll take it, but like it's, it, it doesn't really, that, that doesn't motivate me. That, that I don't, I don't really like stuff like that, if anything. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, like I don't see it. I don't see a benefit or a, a disadvantage to either or it just, it's just my natural, or it's just that's the how I am. Like if you look at Elon Musk, for example, um, who's someone that like I really look up to, he's definitely an introvert. He's a terrible public speaker um, and doesn't necessarily always like to be in the limelight, even though on Twitter he's nuts. Um, but um, he he's a great leader. Um, but whereas you have other other people that are super extrovert, I don't know, like a um, who's super extrovert that I like Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> he's nuts. Right. Um, great entrepreneur he's very very extroverted very loud in your face and whatnot um, and it's served him really really well but I think what comes when 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 we look at entrepreneurship um, being 
extrovert always tends to also tend itself to being like a celebrity and mm. um, celebrity status is not something that I've ever wanted or ever would want or need kind of thing. It doesn't, that doesn't highlight accomplishment for me mm-hmm. personally. Yeah. Mm, no, good point, I think. Um, and, and yeah, that was the vibe that I was kind of getting. I'm a big, a big like advocate of like just being your authentic self. So like, um, I think some people do kind of like maybe like not take advantage of opportunities due to the fact like, oh, no, I need to be like, x person this is what a founder looks like this is what an entrepreneur looks like so it's just good to to kind of get your perspective on it um my second question was around like hiring so again correct me if i'm wrong you you started trim it with um a couple of people um i think that they were your were they your friends did you say you started with your friends yeah they're my friends yeah some, some yeah. of them weren't but yeah some a lot of them were my friends yeah so i was just gonna ask like i have um a business that around my brother and like the dynamic of doing that with with family is obviously one thing but um with friends you know similar but maybe a bit different what has been that journey like starting a, a, a company with your friends has that affected dynamics between your friendships like um how does how has that kind of worked out for you yeah so i think again uh, it's making a situation with very little resources. If I had the ability to pick like the, the the best operators and the best technical people, I mean, to be fair, I feel like I have the best technical team. They're so sick. Um, but like I, I would, but I didn't have those resources. And um, so I did have to go into business with some of my friends and um, it hasn't all completely worked out. But I've been able to maintain all of these friendships. Um, mm. It's, yeah. I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't necessarily advise going into business with friends because it becomes, it's, it's very, very intense. And if you do go into business with friends, like everyone needs to be on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. If that makes, yeah. Everyone needs to be as competent as each other in their own respective fields. Um, like some of the issues that I had is that I'll get like a, a friend to, to fill in for a particular spot, but that was never the expertise. So my, my expectation of them was to be, I don't know, this incredible, I'm, I'm, this is fake by the way, because I don't want to air out too much business, but this incredible designer, but in reality they trained at university to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Like it was that type of situation. So um, yeah, since then like, my team has um, evolved dramatically and everyone on my team now, um, I wouldn't necessarily call them my like they didn't start off the t- they didn't start off on the team as my friends. They're definitely my employees um, or um, co- colleagues, but um, they've become friends. We're like we're on the we're on the same wavelength and that kind of thing. But um, yeah. and that's that's made our working relationship a lot better because first, it's, at its first level, at its first phase, we have um, the the mutual respect that we need to get from it to a certain point. And that's what that's what joins us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like in in that same regard, like when it comes to hiring, because you know you've expanded the team over time. Like, what are the things that you've you've looked for to say, okay, cool, I know this person will be a good hire because X Y Z. Whether it be like obviously competencies are given, but like culture wise, like culture fit, what lets you know like okay, this is someone that I want to work with or will be a good fit for for trim it and i mean if if it's possible as well like how 
would you describe the culture of Trimit? Yeah, sure. Um, describing the culture of Trimit is so, it's, and I was saying this at the last, like at the panel talk, that hiring for me isn't, I can't even say that I'm an expert. I'm really, really bad at it. Um, and what, what tends to happen is that I meet incredible people um, that are either like, just take initiative, um, are super smart, and that are viable. And as a result, like, just try and convince them to be a part of the team. That's been my, my hiring process of, as of yet. Um, we've, had to, we've had to change that for it to become a little bit more process-driven um, for our developers, uh, just because we just need, like, I'm a firm believer when it comes to the operation. Um, I can't teach attitude, but I can, but I can teach the skills. So um, when it comes to, like, the day-to-day operation, I'm more looking for that cultural fit, but that cultural fit is really difficult to even articulate in itself. Um, whereas Pete, when he's hiring his developers, he's looking straight up for like competency. Um, and there may be a few things um, that you take in consideration from me. Like for example, I was saying, I was saying to him that the next developer that we, we hire, like um, if they're competent, like please let it be a black guy. Like I was like, I was, I was like, please, please be, like, let it be a black guy because I want my team to be as diverse as, as possible and the technical team is the only team that doesn't have um, any diversity in it. It's just, uh, it was an all-white team. Um, so, I mean, yeah, fortunately we were able to, we were able to find the black guy but um, like in terms of culture-wise, I think because uh, we are, most of the, most of the team are, are made up of the founding, are made up of founding members and by founding members, what I mean is that like they're the guys that are up at two, I can call at 2 a.m. and there'll be a problem there and we'll go out and solve it. So our culture at the moment is like when there's a problem, we don't care how we get there, just solve it. Um, yeah. We care a lot more about uh, the, the outcome than... Uh, the, the, like for example someone's like I've been working really hard over the last last week but there's been no outcome as a result of it we're not going to praise you for working hard mm-hmm. we'd actually rather you not work hard but you've got everything done like that 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 is what we see as like the the best worker someone that works really smart and not necessarily mm-hmm. hard um but the nature of a startup anyway is that you have to work hard but we don't attribute um success or we don't attribute uh like we won't give you accolades because you're working super super hard like yeah. we want you to just get your job done and be really good at your job yeah. um but we're also quite easy going we're, we're like we're a young company the oldest like oldest guy on the team is 30 um i'm 26 like so like where we when we're not we're not a google um in the sense that we haven't got super resources but we've got the vibe of like a young startup so i don't know if that um paints like a, a better picture of uh, the culture of instrument no perfectly no thank you for that that was, that was yeah very clear yeah man um i just had one final question because i think we're gonna have to wrap um soon as time is getting away from us but i just had um one sort of um final question just a really sort of simple one um well maybe not that simple but um one thing we haven't really mentioned yet is the actual barbers that work for Trimit. So um, how, how do you actually go about recruiting um, the barbers? Um, I actually know this because one of the barbers was telling me because I was asking. Um, and actually all the barbers I've had so 
have been like really really good um both in like their competence and um and professionalism but also like just really good guys to chat to so i was i was thinking like they are sort of like the face of your business to your to your customers um how do you go about recruiting them um and like is there tell us about like the process of getting them on board sure so um from so they they apply for the job and there's a set, certain set of like of questions that will kind of uh, allow us to pick the right barbers. Mm. Um, fundamentally, like at its core, that like, we can have this sick barbering experience, but if the haircut is dead, um, you're not going to be a happy customer. So what we've done is that we we invite them to our office, and they need to bring two models with them, and they give um, a haircut under the same kind of circumstances that they would be in the the trimmer van. Okay. So in the trimming van, technically speaking, you're only allowed um, 40 minutes per haircut. Mm-hmm. So we, we time them um, and we want them to be doing varied haircuts as well. So like mm-hmm. typically like, uh, they bring like maybe Afro-Caribbean model and the European model just so they mm-hmm. can show us that they could do different hair types. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the moment, we get our, um, our head barber, who's Chris, um, to assess whether the haircut's actually good. Mm. And um, we will also give our like our input as to what we feel about the haircut. Mm. Um, we talk, we assess them on their chat, um, on their professionalism, mm. um, and their cleanliness as well. <laughs> that is and, sick, man. Um, yeah, it's like mad due diligence. Uh, yeah, man, we have to, man. Mm. And then mm. after that as well, then they do a test run for two days with um, the barbers in very different areas. So whether it's like Northwest London or East London, like they'll they'll with them and mm. it's for them to just really gauge like what the experience and what the expectation is yeah, as well yeah. once we uh think that they're like they're decent for the job then they go for like a like a one month probation and like we have like a strike system and if they hit um a certain amount of strikes then they're out within that one month mm-hmm. um and then yeah like from from there so we, we we onboard them properly and they become like a trimmer barber yeah and i, and I gotta say that process really works because i've had quite a few trims now and like every single trim has been like top quality like um i've been i've been very impressed with where, where with are you where are you based um northeast london um it's funny actually i'm i'm just out i was saying to the boys this morning i'm just outside the catchment area it literally ends like 100 meters from my house um so <laughs> um at first i used to drop a pin like opposite my local mcdonald's um but now that um my barber knows where i am he just drives up. Oh, he just goes to you anyway. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Is um, it a D? Uh, no, it's... Um, oh, what's his name? This is so bad now. Um, Dubs. Do you Dubs, just call okay, him D? Cool. No, no, no. D's there's another, D's another Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a really good, like, top barber. And he's just like, you know, a really, like, friendly guy. Like, we just... we just It's like two two words that's chatting, you know? So, um, yeah, man, I... I one of the main reasons, like I said, that I, I wanted to reach out to you guys is because I was just like, this is a really impressive thing. And when I found out it was um, like black, black owned, oh, well, yeah, um, black, um, black founder. I was like, this is really, really cool. I need to, I need to hear more about the guys. So um, yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on. It's been a really good chat. And obviously listeners, I'm aware of the fact that, you know, we've gone a little bit over our usual, usual time, but I feel like it's been a really good conversation and, um, like I said, it's our first episode where we focused on on a tech business. So um, yeah, all of us had like so many questions, and um, 
Darren, I just want to say thank you again for, so sorry. for coming on. I'm so sorry, I have one more. <laughs> all right, all right. And squeeze I, it, I in, squeeze it. it. I, I think it needs to be covered. So like, obviously <laughs> we're about to go into lockdown too. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's rewind a little bit. How has COVID affected the business? I have a positively, negatively, not at all. How's it kind of like, you know? Yeah, so COVID is like, it's been unfortunately really positive for the business. And the reason why I say unfortunate is because it's like, people are actually dying out here. Um, mm. So for me to then be in a situation where I've really benefited from it, it's, it's, it's weird. Mm. Um, but yeah, we've seen sales like, skyrocket. We, like, in, our sales increased by like 300%. Um, and I think it's just, it's, it's because people like now don't really want to go to the barbershop or um, they, they understand the, the benefit of it being like a one-on-one situation. Mm-hmm. And because now, you know, people are working from home as well. So um, you can now spare that like, like 45 minutes or 40 minutes at lunch or whenever you, you take your lunch um, mm-hmm. to get from. Um, so it's been, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been sick. It's been good. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's literally my story. And, and, and obviously, of course, like it, it is a bit of a, it's a, it's a sad thing that, that, that COVID has brought the success. But I think equally as well, like you're providing a really important service. Um, in a situation where things are difficult, like genuinely like trim, it has been one of the better things, I guess, about this difficult year that we've had. Like I've discovered this really cool service and it's just like one less thing to worry about. And yeah, like I said, like just having that kind of hour, I guess, of my barber in, in, in the chair and just, just chatting. Cause we, we catch up, like we, you know, like how's it been the last couple of weeks? What you've been, what you've been on, how's business been? And like, you know, how, how do you think like, you know, this is going to, this whole COVID thing is going to shape up. Like, just that I feel like has been has been like a, a positive experience at least for myself um mm-hmm. in all of this. And it has it's been tough, man. Um I won't lie. So yeah. Um That's really good to hear, man. Yeah, no, th- thank you for that. And like, yeah, just shout out to your shout out to your barbers again. Like um yeah, it's been they're, they're, it's been they're really the real good. heroes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um like it literally for me it's like that's what's what really kind of um that's why i'm a repeat customer because i just have a good experience every single time so um listeners um yeah man you've heard it here um trim it um if you're you know looking for a new barber or you want to just change your setup especially with lockdown now i definitely advise getting the app um and yeah just having having the barber come over to you man it's it's a blessing honestly um Darren, thank you again for coming on. Um, it's been a real, real pleasure to chat to you. Um, and yeah, just quickly before we sign off, just, um, you know, plug, um, um, plug anything that you want to plug, even if it's like not trim it related, it could be something else that you're possibly working on. And if you want, if you want people to find you on, on social media, where, where can they find you? Yeah, sure. So, um, the only thing that I want to, want to really plug is, is trim it. So if you guys go into, um, the, the app store whether it's google play or um play store for for apple um literally type in trim it and you'll be able to find us on uh, on the app store uh, we've got really really good ratings i think it's like over a thousand ratings um and yeah just have a play have a play of the app tell me what you think um and hopefully you, you book an appointment and uh enjoy the the mobile barbering experience cool man cool well yeah, Darren, thank you so much. Um, and yeah, listeners, um, you can find us um, at OTB Podcast UK on socials. That's Twitter and Instagram. 
Um, and if you want to send us an email, it's been a little while since we received the email. Uh, we, we love getting emails from our listeners. Um, it's otbpodcastuk at, um, at gmail.com. Um, send us an email. And um, yeah, I think all that's left to say, I think, from all of us is have a great week. Um, keep your heads up. You know, times are hard. But um, yeah, just support your friends, family, loved ones where you can. And um, yeah, I hope that listening to us today has been some sort of like relief or informative in some sort of way but yeah guys thank you so much for tuning in um that's it from us over and up